You're listening to Out of Nowhere, a series featuring emergent brands with somewhat unexpected origins. Your host is Justin Watkins of Native Digital, a marketing firm specializing in brand messaging and performance media. Let's jump in. This is the most important issue of our generation, and I don't want to sit on the sidelines for it. And the, the other thing is I think we're on the precipice of market transformation. And I'm just always excited to see what happens next. And it's fun to do it as a participant and not just a spectator. I do think we're creating market transformation at Sealed. And I love being a part of that. And the other thing is, I think a lot of founders will say this, but on a really day-to-day basis, a thing that has to keep you going during rough times is your team. Because all this bigger vision, grand stuff, I think that's what helps you for your long-term motivation. But the day-to-day grind can be really, really hard as a startup founder. There's so many trying times and just difficult things that you end up dealing with. And if you're not doing that with people you really love working with, it can be torturous. Uh, Absolutely. It requires so much stamina. And you have to find some way to recharge. It sounds like your team is one of those ways to recharge. And and you just have to have fun every day. Even if you're solving really hard problems, if you can't laugh in some of the moments you're trying to figure out the hardest things out, then it's just, you're probably not going to be successful. At at least that's for me. I'm someone who likes to laugh a lot. And if there's not that day-to-day laughter, um, I'm probably questioning what I'm doing. Yeah, it it should be fun. It shouldn't it shouldn't be as pain. it's going to be painful no matter what. So let's not make it more painful than it needs to be. And it's it's such a serious problem we're mm-hmm. dealing with with climate change. So it can't be all doom and gloom all the time. You just bring a lot of levity uh, to your work because otherwise, all you can think about is the future that's coming, and it can also seem like a lot of pressure on the outcome of your company and. Um, you know, you have to have a lighter day to day, even if the problem we're solving is really, really hard. And the other reason why I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm so, so motivated is my mother of three really young kids. I have three kids and the oldest one is two. So they're really, um, early on in their life. And I want to make sure that they're going to live in a world that's habitable, that's great to live in that can really prosper and kind of helps me think longer term past my own lifespan. And right now I feel like we're not necessarily on track um, to make that happen. So I feel super motivated by that, but that's a newer motivation for me the past few years. Do you have a, a trick or a way you frame it to yourself to, cause it, it can be easy to just think about the heaviness of the topics and, and become anxious with it. Do you have kind of like a trick that you use to have the levity and have fun in the process? Is there, have you thought through that? I think I find a lot of day-to-day humor in little things. I think that's what helps me. But also I'm not in this by myself. Within the company, I have my whole team, but even within the space, it's not like 10 years ago when there were so few companies in the space and it was a really tight-knit group. There's a lot of companies in the space. There's a lot of money coming into the space. And um, I think I think it's really important for Seal to be 
successful. I think that the problem we're trying to solve is one of the bigger climate problems, but we're not trying to do it by ourselves. And I think there's something that's very comforting that, that it's not, I don't feel the weight of the world on my shoulder. Um, and I hope most people don't feel that way about their jobs, even if they have big, important jobs, you know, nothing can be on one person or one company. Yeah. It, the, I frankly avoided it for a period of time because I, I was afraid it was going to make me feel anxious and I kind of just avoided it and then didn't uh, avoid it anymore, educated myself on it and thought like, what is my role in this? And that's what really helped me was just figuring out like, what's my role? What can I do today? Is there more that I could do tomorrow? And if I could take care of at least that part, then I'm good. I've done my part. And like you said, there's a bunch of other smart people out there doing things too. And that makes you optimistic about it. And I think what's great about humans is humans are really great at figuring out how hard problems are really great at adapting. And there's so much innovation going on in this space. There's, you know, think about some of the, the big breakthroughs that have come through for humans over the course of, you know, century, centuries over the course of many millennia. Um, you know, who would have thought the internet would become a thing, you know, 50 years ago? Like no one would have thought about that. And I I think there could be kind of breakthroughs that are just around the corner. Um, I think also we have a lot more tools at hand than we're thinking of. And yeah, I mean, I'm super optimistic about the future. What exactly it looks like, I don't know. But I think when the world faces big problems, you can only do what you can do. And everyone has a role to play. But again, like it's not all on you. And um, I'm a big believer in exposure therapy. If I have a fear trying to do things to alleviate it. So one thing I have dealt with is a fear of heights. And the way I got around that is I started climbing and just facing it head on. And I think it's the same thing with the climate crisis as well. Sounds like a very founder thing to do. Just take it head on. Um, what yeah. do, <laughs> what <laughs> well, do you do? Same thing when, when thinking about failure, right? So a lot of people are afraid to fail and prevents them from taking action. It can be very paralyzing. So what I do is I go through some scenarios in which I fail and I just bring it to like different conclusions. And then I just accept that could be the case. And then I can move forward. Yeah. I do the same. It's like, what's the worst case scenario? Oh, it's not that bad. Keep carrying on. What, how do you explain sealed to friends and family or, or what do friends and family think Lauren's been up to for the past dec decade? Like, how do you, how do you break that down? Yeah, I say we're trying to get homes off of fossil fuels and we're trying to break down the barriers in the market that cause those. So when I say we're trying to help homeowners, we're trying to help contractors just make everything as easy and as affordable as possible. That's how I explain it. And yeah. I use words like get homes off of fossil fuels versus residential energy efficiency and electrification because most people have no idea what electrification is. Um, and a lot of people... Their first impressions, they think that I'm in solar and then I get solar panels on people's rooftops. I'm like, actually, like, you know, solar is great, but as long as people are feeding their homes with oil and gas, that's only part of the picture. So I try to educate people on what electrification is, but without using very jargony industry terms. Solar is probably like a gateway conversation for you, right? Like it's something that it's a reference point. And then you can say, actually, here's step two now um, beyond that. Is that kind of how you think of it? So I actually view insulation and electrification as being step one and two. Because ultimately, those are things that solve people's day-to-day -day 
problems that are unrelated to climate and I actually view renewables as being a next step from there. Although it mm. could go the other way around as well. Now, I think the way the market has gone is that renewables have kind of come first and now there's a bigger emphasis on energy efficiency and electrification. But I think it's a really big missed opportunity. I think there's a lot of good reasons for that. I think part of a big part of that is that the federal government has been incentivizing renewables for decades and energy efficiency electrification kind of got lost in the dust. So I'm glad to see that rectified next year with the IRA dollars coming online. The other thing is that there's a lot more awareness around solar because there's solar panels on people's rooftops. You can see it. You not see someone's insulation and you don't see their heating and cooling systems. So it's a little bit more behind the scenes. Yeah, I think that's probably a big part of it too. I mean, obviously regulators can sway the market um, with the signing of any kind of piece of legislation, but yeah, seeing that visible reminder, it's a talking point. And so people talk about it and it's something that's sort of invisible to the eye we're not talked about, it doesn't get talked about, right? And so then we kind of ignore it. Yeah, and I, I don't think people realize what a big impact some of these measures can have in terms of greenhouse gas emissions. No, totally. It's the reason for this podcast. It's because some of the biggest contributors or the or the biggest innovations that are really going to help us are the stuff that people may not even know about, right? And then yeah. yet, yet we'll celebrate something that's like this tiny, 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 tiny little inch forward uh, that gets a ton of marketing around it. But yet solutions like yours could really revolutionize things. And um, how much is it being talked about, right? Not enough. Um, however much yeah. it is, not enough. And I think the thing that's not talked about enough in the space is why homeowners are adopting these measures. Why are people getting heat pumps? Why are getting people, why are people getting insulation? Typically it has nothing to do with the environment. Um, you know, we used to do uh, field sales back in the day, pre COVID we were actually in homes. And a lot of those homeowners do not even believe in climate change, but they want to get insulation in their home because yep. their kids are. And those are the messages that we have to be out about talking about. You can't just cater to people who care a lot about the environment because that's actually a really narrow set of people who both care and are willing to put dollars towards it in the amount that a heat pump costs, which is tens of thousands of dollars. And so there have to be these really compelling other reasons why people are getting them. Yeah. Climate's the icing on the cake, really. It just It's just like further validation, but it's got to make dollars and cents and solve a real problem. And it's it's a great benefit whenever you have an innovation and it's a technology where it does, it makes dollars and cents and it, it checks all the boxes. Um, but until price is there, it's tough. It's a tough one. Right. Well, you really have to build the, the value of the technology. So something that we talk about for heat pumps is that it's a super efficient combined heating and cooling system that will make you more comfortable. You'll have more room by room control. It's a really premium technology. That's what they use at all those top tier museums and palaces across the world. Um, these days, people can get a lot more concerned about having natural gas in your home as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we tend not to talk too much about climate. Do you think heat pumps are well understood by the American public? Not at all. No. And I think in a lot of areas of the country, especially the Northeast, for example, most people have never heard of a heat pump. They're more popular in the South, places like Texas, for example. Heat pumps are much better known, but most people have no idea what they are and why they would benefit from them. Um, I do think 
that the awareness will hopefully go up over the course of the next 12 months as the IRA gets mm-hmm. rolled out and people hear about these incentives and they think, oh, why is the government trying to incentivize these and how do I personally benefit? So I'm hoping that's going to change. But yeah, most people have absolutely no idea what, yeah. a, what a heat pump is. And well, most... I think, you know, I think the heat pump needs to be rebranded because a heat pump, actually, one of the main benefits for people is that they get to get air, air, air conditioning. It's actually just a lot of cooling. So I do think a heat pump is a good descriptor of the science and the way that it works, but it's not a really great consumer facing name. Gotta not that I that. have any bright ideas yet. I've, I've been trying to think of something, but I have not come up with the put that on our to-do list for next year. As... Yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe there should be some kind of renaming contest with a really big prize and the naming contest could itself drive some awareness. That could be pretty cool. Yeah, you're going to get names like Pump McPumpy and things like that. But hey, maybe one will be a winner. Yeah, who knows? Or just something really obvious. But if it was obvious, someone would have thought of it already. The most obvious thing people would think of is a heat pump. I think I think it would be good to have something, a name that explains its benefit rather than how it works. So I don't know. I'll I'll uh, think about this one. We'll keep t- we'll keep noodling on that one. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe someone listening to this podcast will think of something cool and message us. Yeah, well, yeah. In the comments, guys, please let's get some names going here. Um, so the Inflation Reduction Act, um, homeowners are going to start talking about it if they haven't already. A lot of people who listen to this own homes. What do you think that they need to know about if they haven't heard, if they haven't read about it, saw it in the news, had their neighbors talk about it? What do you think people need to know about it? Well, the biggest thing they should know is that there's tax credits available right now today, but some of the bigger incentive dollars are going to be coming out sometime next year. But it's it's city by state, like everything's very localized. Um, and so you're going to see state by state deployment next year. Um, I do think in many areas it will make the heat pump economics better than replacing your gas furnace, which is super exciting. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway we want homeowners to have is that what this really does is it reduces the cost premium of a heat pump versus a fossil fuel alternative. And, but even if a heat pump is still more expensive than some of these more traditional alternatives, it could still be beneficial for a homeowner to be getting. That's cool. So let's walk through this process. Let's say we've got a homeowner. They have heard on the news or through a neighbor, Hey, there's incentives here it's time for them to do a retrofit. Um, they're talking to a contractor to how does sealed work and how does, how does a homeowner participate in that type of thing or how does it benefit them? Yeah. I mean, if you're looking to get the most, uh, bank free buck incentives, you should definitely go to the sealed website and work with one of our contractors because a lot of contractors do not participate in these incentive programs. So the customer won't be getting the best deal possible. And the reason why contractors don't work with a lot of these incentive programs is they're really complicated to work with and navigate. You know, imagine you're a, you know, contractor, uh, you know, you've started with your spouse and, you know, you have 10, 20 employees, like you're pretty busy. And so not all contractors have uh, the bandwidth to figure out and navigate these programs. And what we do is we make sure 
that, you know, customers are getting access to all the incentives that they're eligible for. But it's pretty complex because sometimes in a certain area, there might be multiple incentive programs that are available, but you can't always combine all of them. And so that yeah. can be pretty figure out. So I definitely recommend that, you know, people check out our website. We talk about a little bit about when things are available and how they can be stacked. Again, like things will change a lot over the next 12 months um, and just see what things people are eligible for. That's cool. Yeah, I, most of the contractors that I know, big and small, didn't get into this industry to push a bunch of paper. And so it could be, it's not yeah. something they're going to run to, but if they know that there's incentives and there's an easier way to do it than the alternative and sealed is one of those ways. Yeah. They're going to go to you and, and then you guys can also point people to them. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, and some of these incentive dollars can be pretty big, you know, as part of the IRA, especially for low and middle income homeowners, some of these incentives can be up to $14,000. It's a lot of money that can really change the economics for these projects. That's cool. That's cool. So a homeowner is thinking about this. They go to sealed.com. They find a couple of contractors. They know that they're in good hands, at least from the incentives side, then they can just evaluate the contractors on that side. I suppose if they have already engaged a contractor or already in talks with them, they need to be asking them about incentives. They need to be asking them if they have a, a way to do this, because like you said, up to $14,000, I mean, that is huge for some right. families. Right. Like, those will not be available until next year, but that mm -hmm. is what's coming down. The, yeah. the pipe, but even a lot of um, utilities do have large incentive programs. Um, the other things for homeowners is making sure you're working with a high quality contractor. You know, there's a lot of different contractors you can choose. Not all of them are the best uh, for the type of work that you need. So that's something that also we're specialists in. All of our contractors are very carefully vetted, very high quality. We've worked with them um, for a long time. So that's another benefit of working with Sealed. Um, I think that one of the things that homeowners face is their HVAC system breaks and they their instinct is just to replace what they've had before, which is typically a fossil fuel burning system. Um, so I'd, I'd encourage them to do a little bit of research on heat pumps and just learn more about them. Yeah. What other pro tips do you have for homeowners? Let's let's say they do have uh, something that goes out or they're ready for a retrofit for whatever reason. Uh, any questions that they should be asking or things that they should be thinking about or maybe a little back and napkin math that they should be doing, anything like that? Yeah, well, if I was a homeowner and I was looking to get a retrofit done, I would ask myself, what are the key problems I'm facing that I'm looking to solve? Because the reality of it is a lot of energy efficiency and electrification measures, they don't pay for themselves or they pay back over the course of a really long period of time. And so I would be thinking, okay, how important is it to me that I don't have uneven temperatures? You know, one kid is too hot at night, the other kid is too cold at night. Um, how old is my HVAC system? Is it likely to break soon? You know, let's say I'm looking to get um, central AC when I've only had window ACs before. Okay, well, how old is my heating system. Is my heating system at least 10 years old? Well, I'll probably need a new one soon. Maybe I should think about getting a heat pump versus if you got a new heating system two years ago, you're probably not going to want to get a new one again, just because you're looking for AC. So I just think about what particular problems you're looking to solve. And then in terms of finding the best contractors, obviously everyone's reading online reviews. Those can be helpful, but what you don't get from that is 
what the contractor really specializes in. So I think good questions to ask the contractor you're thinking about working in is, um, okay, like you're going to install this type of thing in your home. How many of those did you do last month? Not over the past two years. That's a really big question. But last month, people should have a pretty granular answer for that. So that can be a really telling in terms of whether they're an expert or not. And they're like, oh, like, I don't know, like maybe I did one or two last month. That means it's probably not what they're specialized in. That's good. Pro tips. That's awesome. Uh, I was going to go back and ask about sealed is what? 10 years old, mm-hmm. about 10 years old. And which is, which is a great, like, I feel like age you've seen a lot, right? Like this is, this is when climate tech was called clean tech. Like you're in that early wave, seeing a lot of things change, but then here comes this IRA act and then all these incentives coming online starting next year. And we talked about this the other day. Like I said, would you have been ready for this if you were only three years into it versus 10 years into it? I think you were like, mm, I don't know. Right. Like, do you feel like this yeah. timing is right for you guys? Like, could you have designed it any differently or better than this or what are your thoughts I, I, on that? I feel like the timing is really right for yeah. us. I think that if the sealed three years in would not have been prepared for this opportunity. Now it can be a little bit hard to compare because three years in when there was very little funding for clean tech, as it was called back then, it's hard to compare about what things look like today. But for sealed to be doing what we are, we really needed a lot of data and a lot of experience with both yeah. homeowner contractors. And I think that, you know, I've seen a lot of different funding cycles, different market environments, different customer awareness. And I think that all of those things have come for come together for us to be ready for the IRA. Um, we were just as surprised by everyone when it got passed last summer. But I think that, you know, 10 years ago, it would have been really hard to imagine the environment we're living in today, where the federal government has passed legislation for hundreds of billions of dollars towards climate change. That would have been really hard to imagine back then um, to have a funding environment where there's a lot of uh, funding of all types, right? Um, Venture funding, more traditional funding, project finance, uh, growth equity, private equity for climate. And I just really could not have dreamed of a day that looks like today. And I'm just thankful that we managed to get to this point. That's awesome. You know, if I, if I was trying to put myself in your shoes, I would assume that, you know, maybe five years in, you might've said this is, or maybe we're frustrated at like the pace of things and the ecosystem around us and the support we're getting from regulators. And, and then you get to today and you're like, finally, but it sounds like that's not the perspective you had you're like we like the progress that we're making and we like this pace and this is like a pleasant surprise that we have the support is that accurate or how do, how have you looked at it i mean uh, i'll say you know the first several years at sealed were really tough years you mm-hmm. know we're trying to find product market fit and scale up um i do think um you know the company really started taking off the past several years um but I do think that the hiring pass was the culmination of a lot of work by a lot of people. Um, I'll say like the IRA is just the start of what needs to be done. I think the most important part of it is that it's a market accelerant. It could probably get the market, you know, five, 10 years ahead of where it would have been. I think that's one of the goals is that it's not meant to be like a permanent solution. It's just a 
down payment for things. Um, but, you know, I, I think by nature, I'm an optimistic person. I think to be a founder, you have to be able to envision a world that doesn't yet exist and how your company fits in. And so I think I would have had a tough time imagining the current world that we're living in today, but I did believe that it would get better. That's good. You have to, you have to, um, what are some misconceptions that still exist either with contractors or homeowners that you run into and you're like, Oh, it'd be, it'd be a whole lot easier for us if this mis misconception was, uh, uh, corrected or, or clarified. Yeah. That if your home is drafty, that you need new windows, that's the best way to spend your money. And new windows are great. They look beautiful but they don't tend to save a lot of energy and they definitely are not as high ROI in terms of improving your comfort per dollar you spend as insulation. Insulation in your attic, which sounds like the least sexy thing ever, is the best thing you can do to improve the comfort of your home. So everyone thinks they need new windows. Uh, I'm a testament to that. We have a house that's three years old. And after two years, I'm like, why is this bedroom so flipping cold? And I uh, went up in the attic, not much insulation. So there's a lot more now. And you know what? Yeah. Problem solved. And also, you know, to do insulation for a typical house versus getting new windows for a typical house, you're talking like 50K versus 10K, like the price yeah. difference. Really? Yeah. Significant. Yeah, it's definitely worth That's a quick, that's another pro tip for homeowners. Like check your... <laughs> Check your attic. Make sure you got the insulation up there. Before you buy fifty thousand dollars in new clothes. Yeah, don't talk to the window guy just yet. Like, let's go upstairs and see what's going on. Yeah, and 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 the other thing too. I know we touched on it, it earlier, but I really wish that people would stop pitching energy savings and dollar savings to try to get people to adopt these measures. That's not what is going to move the needle. It's really yeah. about comfort, quality of life. Um, you know, someone gonna spend thirty thousand dollars to get a heat pump uh, to save energy and be more efficient for for some people who are very wealthy. Yes, they might, but not your average homeowner. Yeah. So I know that a lot of the homeowners and contractors are doing this, and they're not really thinking of climate as their number one motivator. It might be number three or four on their list. But when you are talking to people in the context of just climate and the impact that you're making. Is it pretty well known in climate circles, the emissions impact that homes have? Because I know, I feel like transportation continues to get a lot of the headlines and there's other sectors that just seem to have an outsized amount of conversation about them. Whereas you've got things like your homes that are a, a huge footprint. Uh, what's that like? I mean, yeah, I mean, homes are 20% of greenhouse gas emissions in the in the United States. Um, I think globally real estate overall is around 40%. Like mm -hmm. really big numbers. I think fundamentally insulation is just not as sexy as a car. So <laughs> it naturally gets less attention. I think the people who are uh, solving, um, you know, decarbonizing homes are not as colorful as in Elon Musk, for example. So, you know, I think by more attention needs to be paid to the space, but. Which is why we got to rename oh, the heat pump. We have to rename the heat pump. And also we need a couple of celebrities to get them or to get induction stoves. I think 
you know, we need, we need Taylor Swift, we need Kim Kardashian to get induction stoves, to be talking about heat pumps, just to make it a little bit cooler. Again, it's hard to compete with cars. And don't get me wrong, transportation is an important sector to be talking about, but I do feel like homes get left behind. Yeah, the status symbol and the visibility of it, it's a big deal. I mean, you can see solar on homes, although I don't think that's status in some in some circles, it's the opposite of that. But man, we've done a good job of making Teslas feel like a status symbol for some people. We need like little badges that show their insulation levels or something like that. I know, I know, but like, you know, even just hearing you sound, say it out loud, it just, it's not, it's not going to quite be as, as cool. Um, it's, it's, it's the invisible. It's the invisible. These invisible things that are so important, and yet we it just doesn't get conversation or it doesn't get talked about. And and the other thing I think is challenges. It's such an infrequent occurrence, right? Like this isn't a problem that we're solving monthly, daily. It's like every several years, you know. Yeah, every every 10, 15 years. So yeah. I don't know, you know, maybe in the conjunction with the IRA going live next year, there'll be some, you know, public advertising campaigns around heat pumps. That would that be pretty cool. Well, the hope is that it it goes from a thing that you don't think about to now just the new default that you don't think about, but it's a default. And then that, and then you don't have to think about it anymore. You just need to make it the default, right? Like that's the thing we want to get to. Isn't that it becomes this big, sexy uh, status thing. It's just that it becomes the default, right? And But there's a transition to get it there, right? Yeah, definitely. Do you think it has the chance of becoming the default in the next 10 years? Or do you think it's still going to take a lot of work? Absolutely. And actually, the the U.S. is kind of outside of the norms. Heat pumps are huge Mm -hmm. and in Europe. We're just a little bit behind the curve. Now, they are heavily subsidized in other places in the world, Mm -hmm. especially in Europe. Also, gas is a lot more expensive in Europe as well. But heat pumps are... the are the norm in most places in the world. So we just have to do a little more work to get them yeah. there in the US. What what else would do you think is on the horizon either for sealed or the industry as you look forward like, I don't know, 10, 20 years? Like we talked about having a hard time envisioning where we'd be, you know, 10 years later. But what about 10 years from now? Like are, is there something that you're forecasting or you're curious about or you'd love to know in the next 10 years? I think a lot of homes are going to be able to be self-sufficient in the sense that, you know, people will be fully electrified, they'll have solar and they'll have storage. And so if there's grid reliability issues, people will be able to be independent. Um, I also think that um, grid flexibility will be become really important. Virtual power plants become really important. Um, and thinking about, um, homes as really being an, an asset to the grid rather than a liability. And I think I there's some big breakthrough in energy storage or generation that we just can't even see today. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. No is predicting. Yeah. I've asked this question to a handful of people and there's some, there's some similarities between what you're saying and others are saying. So maybe, maybe we are headed in the right direction to make that thing happen. Maybe we're onto something. That yeah. would be- What's been the most rewarding thing so far? And don't say the team because you've already said the team. But outside of the team, assuming that's your def- that's probably your number one. With with co-founding sealed, 
what's probably the most rewarding part of it so far. Getting to bring something, getting to bring something new to life that hasn't been done before. I just get a really big thrill out of being able to do something for the first time. I think it's really special and something I'll never take for granted. And I think that's why I'll probably be a startup person for life. There's just something that's so rewarding about it. And similar to what I've, uh, there's a couple of things I've told to my kids more than once. And I, you know, repeat it. And one of them is similar to what you just said. I, I've told my kids like creating things is one of the secrets to life. If you can find things that you like creating, whether it's a company or just, you know, a hobby or a craft, like it's, a, it's a secret to life. I believe yeah. it. And I think I have one of the best jobs in the world. It's never boring. My days might be jam packed, but almost every conversation I'm having is really interesting, really engaging, solving a really difficult problem. And yeah, like if there weren't a bunch of problems to solve, I'd probably be super bored. Yeah. And your stories would be boring, but I'm sure they're not. Stories would be boring. I'm definitely <laughs> never, never bored. What's the, uh, when you're talking to people and they've never heard of Sealed ever before and they're outside the industry, what are the things that you say that make them perk up? Because I'm sure you can explain it well, but I'm sure in your explanation, there's something that grabs their attention. They're like, oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Or, ooh, that's appealing. I need to know more about it. Is there certain phrases or keywords that you use that grab attention? When I'm explaining how a heat pump works, people are always super fascinated by that. The idea that you can grab heat from cold air outside, even during the winter time and use it to heat your home is really mind blowing to people. Um, but then when you're comparing it to a large refrigerator, that kind of makes things cut for people. Just again, people have no idea what a heat pump is and think it's kind of can be magical the way that it can move at work and it can be more than a hundred percent efficient. So um, it is kind of mind blowing that kind of technology. Yeah. It's just the technology in general. There's like, what, how does that work? Yeah, it is true. I remember the first time I read about it and I saw a diagram. I'm like, how does this work? You know, it's like, I need to go back and check my physics book and try to figure this one out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's really cool technology. It's not a new technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the thing that kind of gets me is we talk about like accessibility and just and like adoption rates and some of the stuff that we're now pushing so hard and trying so hard to get, you know, people to use and adopt and all that. Some of it is not new. Like it has been around for a long time and it just, it makes you think like, why, why did that one take so long? You know, it's a complex answer every time, right? Like market forces, pricing, regulation, all of that stuff um, to answer it. But you're happy that we're finally moving on it. I think. Yeah, we're here. Yeah, exactly. And there's still a lot of work to do, but I think we're getting on a better path now. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I think there's a high percentage of people who have listened to this conversation who would be interested in learning more about Seal just because you guys are applicable to so many people. Where would you point them to? Would you say website, social media? Where, what would you say? Website, yeah. Go to our website. We have a great resource library. Even if people aren't interested in Seal, they're just learning about heat pumps, insulation, choosing a great contractor. IRA incentives. We have a ton of work on our website about that. So I'd encourage them to go to our website, just seal.com. We got, we, we got a great, 
great deal on that web domain back in 2014. That's a good one. Easy enough, guys. Go to sealed.com. Lauren, thanks for joining us today. This has been great learning more about the company. Thanks for having me today. Everyone, we've learned a lot from this podcast series, and we've put the good stuff in a handful of PDF frameworks. It's topics like messaging, channel strategy, and market fit. You can grab them at nativedigital.com slash resources.